want to be turning your Bibles to Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. That will be our first passage that we look at when we get to it. In the introduction to the lesson this morning, at first, some of you may, may wonder whether or not we're even going to get to the Bible, but if you'll be patient and hang in there, you'll notice that we will get there, and you'll see the reason for it. Others of you will relate to it right away because uh, we've studied in, in similar ways you know, on the importance of this matter. The article uh, that I'm going to start with is from the American Health magazine, which is a good magazine, and it's titled Quack Quack. Everybody say Quack Quack. You've heard of doctors that are quacks? Well, this is about medical advice uh, that comes under the category of quackery. And so it basically is telling people that don't be so naive as to go out here thinking that all doctors are equal, or that all hospitals are equal, or that somebody who happens to be in a white coat and look distinguished and have a few degrees is giving you correct information. Uh, that this is really not so, that there's a lot of quackery out there that parades itself in the name of medicine, but really uh, is not good medicine or even the evidence is against it. Well, we know this. Most of us realize that. For example, it says, uh, uh, remember that quackery seldom appears outlandish. If it was outlandish, you wouldn't buy into it in the first place. And so it says, generally, uh, what is parading itself and what is uh, quackery uh, can in many ways come across as something that seems to be good and truthful, and it would not be successful in appealing to people's minds if it did not have some of these characteristics. Uh, so when a doctor or a medical person is a quack, don't look for somebody going around in a Donald Duck suit saying, I'm a quack. It's not going to be there. He may look more distinguished uh, than the real thing. It says, uh, be wary of fad diagnoses. That's one thing uh, that it gives. And it says, don't trust anyone who claims that a single test can be used to determine the body's overall nutritional status. Don't assume that all diplomas and other certificates are equally valid. They're not. Be wary of holistic practitioners. Don't assume that all scientific-sounding health groups are respectable. And under each of these, it gives the reason why. Be wary of any treatment method supported by a crusading group. Be aware of the slogan, freedom of choice. Uh, the people that says it, uh, talk a lot in this way in medicine, what they really want is to be able to get out there and get in your pocketbook without the government exercising any control over them. Be wary of faith healers. It goes on to state that there has never been one single piece of concrete evidence of any organic disease healed by a faith healer. Beware of effortless weight loss claims. In other words, if you're interested in losing weight, it says, beware of these claims that without putting forth any effort whatsoever, you know, that you can lose. It said, generally, these are lies. Don't assume that advertising is always closely regulated. Sometimes advertising is, is totally false. Uh, base purchase of food and drug products on their ingredients not on the images or slogans used to promote them. Uh, sometimes you can have a particular drug 
that has exactly the same ingredients as another one and sells for one-third the cost because it doesn't have a particular name on it. On, another hand, on the other hand, you might have a particular drug that is worthless. But many people think it's good because of all the advertisement that they see behind it. Be wary of all advertising hype. Be wary of claims made for exotic mail-order products. Be wary, wary of testimonials. In other words, just because that, uh, three or four people stand up and give you their personal testimony about something. Or a lot of people stand up and give you and says, be wary of that. Uh, you can have very sincere testimonials. It goes, it goes to point out, for example, in uh, health, that sometimes a person is being treated in a certain right way at the same time a quack is dealing with him, but credit is given to the quack. Uh, sometimes uh, all the time an individual uh, is having somebody pray for him, the doctor is also doing his job, and sometimes the other person, the prayer, gets all of the credit uh, on that and says, uh, be wary of just testimonials. Be, be wary of medical endorsements. Uh, just because this toothpaste says three out of four dentists recommend this and they're advertising it. Just be wary of that. Don't assume that all guests or hosts on radio or television shows are reliable sources of information. Don't fall for health food industry propaganda. Be suspicious. Look at that. He's telling Be suspicious of any kind of health claim whatsoever. Uh, don't fall for paranoid accusations. Uh, forget about secret cures. Ignore people who boast that they can rebuild or strengthen the immune system. Be wary of homopathetic remedies. Be skeptical of any product claimed to be effective against a wide range of diseases. Okay, I could go ahead and read more, but let's pause there. We all know that. Uh, whenever you're sick, how many of you have the attitude that, uh, well, one hospital is as good as another, or one doctor is as good as another, or one medicine is as good as another? None of us do, do we? How many of us believe it's so simple, though, that you can just walk out here and, and, uh, and easily run into the right hospital and the right doctor and the right medicine? That's again, most of us don't believe that. Uh, before you use a doctor, or you use a hospital, or you use medicine, will we all agree that you have to use your own brain first? Or you can really be in trouble. Well, let me ask you this question. How many of us have the attitude, well, wait a minute. Since it's not all black and white, since there's not a definite, perfect hospital, and perfect doctor, and perfect medicine out there, and there's all this confusion, you know, they're advertising all these things that really don't work. There are these quacks out there and liars and, and the doctor may have AIDS or he may have a phony degree. How many of you have the idea that because that is the case, that when I am sick, I absolutely will not go to a doctor, period. Or I will not go to a hospital. Or I will not take medicine. Well, I say most of us don't have that attitude either. We, we know the chaos that's out there. We know there's a lot of false claims. We know that one doctor is not as good as another doctor. We know that one hospital is not as good as another hospital. But when we're sick, really sick, 
Most of us want a doctor to talk to. And most of us are willing to take medicine if we're really sick. Most of us would be willing even to be operated on where somebody put us to sleep, cut our body open, and even worked on our heart. Most of us would be willing to do that if we were sick enough. But we wouldn't do it blindly. But on the other hand, we're not going to stand back because of the confusion and say, well, I'll have nothing to do with the medical establishment. Most of us have pretty good confidence in our God-given intellectual powers. And so we talk to other people about who they think is a good doctor and why. We inquire about hospitals. We read information. And as a result of talking and listening and reading information, we make the best decision we can on the available evidence. Isn't that the way we approach medicine? Okay. You've got a problem involving plumbing or carpentry or your electric system. Now, how many of you believe that it really doesn't matter what plumber you call or what carpenter or what electrician, that one of them is just as good as the other? Nobody believes that, do they? Well, but how many of you have the attitude, well, even though I've got this problem, and it's difficult to find out who the best one is out there, so I'll just keep this problem. The water can just continue to run. There's too much confusion out there. That there, there ought to be somebody who is the best plumber around, and everybody ought to know about it. And, and because that's not the case, I'll just let my water run. Well, that's not, that's not the way we do either, is it? Or with carpentry. Or How many of us think that one garage is as good as another? That you've got a problem with your car, and since this place is advertised as a, a certain type garage, and it's been well advertised in the paper, you know, well, this has to be the best garage around because they got the nicest building, and it's, and it's advertised in the paper. None of us believe that. We know there's a million ways you can be ripped off in that garage, don't we? We know that they can replace all kinds of things that are not even wrong. We all know that. Well... But because there are people out there that will rip you off, and because that all mechanics are not equal, and one garage is not as good as another, how many of us have the attitude, well, when the old car stops, I'll just quit. You know, I'm not going to hunt for a mechanic or a garage or anything like that, because there's too much confusion out there that, uh, that God ought to identify uh, the best mechanic and the best garage for me. And if he doesn't, then I'll just, I'll just won't do anything. My car will just sit there, and I'll go buy me a new one until it stops. We don't think that way, do we? Can you think of anything that you deal with in life that is so simple and uncomplicated that there is an obvious right that everybody agrees with? And you, and you don't have to think through the process and, and evaluate it. Uh, we live in a democracy. A free country, that's great. How many of you have the attitude that uh, one politician is as good as another? One philosophy of, of a political system is just as good as another. None of us do. So we know that there are different philosophies out there. Well, when we go to cast our vote, we know that in order to cast an intelligent vote, we have to read. And we have to listen to the news. And we listen to people. And we evaluate the speakers. And most of us know that when that politician gets up to speak, that even though he may be better looking than the average and have on a suit and tie, and he may have gone to Harvard, 
that that doesn't prove that everything he's saying is right. It doesn't prove that he's an honest person. It doesn't prove that he doesn't have his hand in the till right now raking off all kinds of money into his life. We know that, don't we? So we're weary, wary when we listen to politicians. In fact, Americans are probably the most suspicious people around. And that's healthy. That's healthy. We realize that in politics, it's healthy to be suspicious. It's healthy to not be gullible. But how many of us are going to say, well, since there's not, since God refuses to step in here and tell me who to vote for, I absolutely am never going to vote. You know, I, they're, they're all a bunch of crooks. So I'll have absolutely nothing to do with the political problem. Well, some people have that conclusion. Some people just say, I'll have nothing to do with it. They're all a bunch of crooks. And so I'll just go my way. Well, if everybody thought like that, it wouldn't be very long till we wouldn't have a democracy in this country. We would have an authoritarian system like some that are being overthrown, if everybody felt that way. <coughs> so far, we've got a democracy because there are a large enough percentage of the people that are willing to read and study and think and listen and evaluate and then cast uh, a vote uh, in, in, in that area. Nothing in life uh, is so simple uh, that, it, that the exact right thing just pops out. And we know, and we go through all life, and we deal with that, whether it's information about our health, our schools. Who thinks that one school is equal to another? Who thinks that every teacher is equally good, that, uh, that it really doesn't matter whose class your child is in? It doesn't matter what college they go to. We don't think that way. Okay. Now we get to our lesson. That's the introduction. You know, when it comes to religion, religion has to do with uh, man's, uh, man's approach to his creator, or the creator's approach to, to man. A man's relationship with his God. A lot of people born into this world look at the situation and they say, man, you've got Muslims, Jews, Christians, Hindus. How in the world are we supposed to know what it right is? Well, Jesus was a Jew, and most of the Jews rejected him. That's right. And most of them still reject him. That's enough to make me suspicious of Christianity. That's good. Makes me suspicious of it, too, when I think about it. And look at all those Muslims over there, the Hindus. Why don't God just speak from heaven and, and say, Larry, the Muslims are false. The Hindus are false. The Jews are false. Christianity is it. Well, you've got a choice here, don't you? You can simply say, because of the confusion and because that God doesn't just speak up and tell me, I just won't have anything to do with it. Some people make that decision. They say, one road is as good as another. It really doesn't matter as long as you're sincere in what you believe. If you're a sincere Buddhist, a sincere Hindu, a sincere Muslim, that's fine. But in reality, if they're that way, they're treating religion different than they treat medical information in other areas of their life. Okay, now we, we settle in. And let's say for us today, you're here because you've settled on at least Christianity. But now you've still got a problem, don't you? There's the Protestants, and then there's Catholicism. And there's a big difference between the two. 
There's a big difference between the Protestant groups and Catholicism. Tremendous difference. Well, there is absolutely no one Protestant group that's as big as the Roman Catholic Church. They're the most numerous Christian group in the world, a group that calls itself Christian. So again, we, we can sit back and we say, hey, this is, why don't God just, if the Pope is full of baloney, why don't God just say the Pope is full of baloney and we can get away from Catholicism and get over here? Or if the Protestants are wrong, why don't God just speak up and say it? He doesn't do it, does he? And then we, if we settle into the Protestant groups, we, we go through that th same thing. We say, this group is saying this about this doctrine. This group is saying this over there. It's just too, con well, again, you've got a choice. You can say, and some people have made this choice. It's too confusing. I don't want anything to do with it. I just don't want to talk about religion because it, it's too confusing. It's too divisive. And so I'll leave it alone. Well, you've got the choice, but you're treating Christianity different than you do other things in your life, if that's the uh, choice you make. Or somebody else might respond this way. Well, I was brought up this way, or I've, I've been going to that doctor, my mama went to that doctor, my daddy went to that doctor, and I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if two-thirds of his patients die when he operates on them. Don't, don't give me that nonsense. I'm going to go to that doctor to the day. We don't talk like that, do we? We don't care if mom and daddy have been going to that doctor. If they come out with some statistics and show that two-thirds of the people this guy operates on dies, and only one-tenth of the people this guy operates on who dies, I'm going over there. You know, mom and daddy may not have known any better. But if I know that, I'm, I'm going over there. By the way, they're going to start to publish that information about doctors in the not-too-distant future. You're going to be able, before you're operated on by a doctor, to get his history. And by the way, it's not the same. There are some doctors, for example, when they do a, a certain type of operation, that the vast percentage of their patients live, do not get infection, and live for a number of years afterwards. There are other doctors that more than half the people they operate on come down with serious infections, don't live very long, or die right there. And the statistics are there. People in the hospital know. Well, eventually, you're going to get the right to that kind of information. Okay, let's look again at this thing on religion. First of all, it's always been this way. I'm reading in Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter, back in the days of the law of Moses, and God is speaking to the people through prophets, and, and look at some of the statements that are made there. In Jeremiah 23, beginning with verse 16, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? Verse 21. I did not send these prophets in that they have run with their message. I did not speak to them and yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways. Verse 25, I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy delusions of their own minds? 
Okay, get the picture. The prophet here is Jeremiah, who is a prophet of God. But all the time that Jeremiah was preaching to the people, there were a lot of prophets out there that were having dreams and visions and experiences. And they were telling the people, God has spoke to me, and God has spoke to me. And this is what God says. Well, Jeremiah was presenting the word of God. Now the people had a choice. They said, hey, this is too confusing. Here's Jeremiah saying one thing, and here are these other people saying other things. I'm just not going to pay attention to any one of them. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Or they could pick out whatever it was that sounded the best to them. Hey, this guy over here says that I, you and I can continue to live together like this. And if we get tired of it more, we can live with somebody else. I like that. Oh, Jeremiah doesn't buy into that. He's some kind of a nut. You know, we could say that. Or you could look at all of them and you could use your God-given intelligence by a certain criteria and try to determine who the prophet of God was. Well, you know, the interesting thing is God held the people responsible. Uh, the teaching in the book is that, that God has given a certain criteria and that honest individuals using no more than their God-given intellect can evaluate prophets by that criteria and find out whether they are from God. In other words, he's saying that you can look at Muhammad claims to be a prophet of God. God says there is a criteria that you can look at using your own intelligence and arrive at, at that conclusion. Jesus says he's the son of God. God said there is a criteria that you can look at and determine whether or not that is the case. 23rd chapter of Matthew, beginning verse 1. All kinds of religious leaders, all kinds of uh, things going on in the way of interpretations. People not living the way they should, even though they preach right things. Chapter 23. Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sat in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But they do not do, not do what they do, for they do and do not practice what they preach. Okay, notice what Jesus says. The law of Moses was the standard of authority. Once they understood that, they were held accountable to that. And he says, even though the teachers themselves may be hypocrites, and they don't practice it, if it's coming from the law of Moses, listen to it. Well, we begin to see something. We begin to see that in this area of religion, before you can ever determine right and wrong, there, there's no way you can do that unless there is some criteria that you've got to judge things on. In short, if God had never revealed himself in a message such as the Bible, then you would have no criteria for evaluating except your own thinking. Uh, and whatever you thought was right. So we, we began to see that in evaluating any source of information, there has to be some criteria that we agree. If you're going to evaluate a doctor or a mechanic, there has to be some criteria that, that all people can recognize before you can evaluate anything. And so it is with the religion. There has to be some criteria that all recognize or can recognize through evidence before they can evaluate anything. Well, here Jesus is saying 
that the law of Moses had been given with such strong evidences that any normal individual could examine those evidences and know that the law of Moses came from God. And once they became convinced of this, they could then evaluate any teacher and not be led astray by that teacher. Come on over to Mark, the seventh chapter. Mark, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pictures and, and, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, and by the way, when they say unclean, he's not talking about dirty hands. He's talking about hands that have not been washed in a ceremonial way. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching, their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have to let go of the commands of God. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And he gives an example of where they worked out something in their tradition where they could nullify a command of God and do it in good conscience. Okay. So in the days of Jesus, there were all kinds of religious leaders that were teaching their various interpretations and had, they were a part of a religious body that had developed traditions. By the way, if you're a part of any body of people, political, religious, or whatever, over a period of years, they will develop some traditions. It just simply means a certain way of doing things. And in religion, though, when people develop certain ways of doing things, certain traditions, if they're done over a period of several generations, there sometimes is a tendency then for people to attribute that to God because they were brought up in a family that did this in that way. Well, Jesus condemned that. He said there's a difference between the law and the commands of God and traditions. Now, the tradition is maybe not necessarily wrong, but it becomes wrong if you bind it as a law of God on somebody else. And so he held the people responsible for reading the law of Moses and determining what was a tradition that had been developed and what was the law of God. And he made it very clear to the religious leaders, you don't have the right to bind rules and regulations and traditions on other people in their service to God that did not originate with God himself. Come on to Luke, the 24th chapter. Notice again. Luke 24, uh, beginning with verse... Uh, 25. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Okay? In verse 45, they opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, and he told them, This is what is written, etc. Okay, back on up to verse, uh, let's see, 24. 
In verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ, etc. Okay. What have we said in the lesson? We've said that all through the law of Moses, there never was a time where the law of Moses just stood out and there were not other competing ideas with it. But once the Jew had it confirmed to him, and the evidence was there that this was from God, then he was expected to judge every prophet that spoke and every teacher and every religious idea by that law. You, you can't judge anything if you don't have a criteria. If this book is not inspired, and if there is no inspired information, then you have no way of judging any idea with any criteria other than your own thinking. So in religion, in our relationship with God, it, it is and it was absolutely essential that God reveal himself. And not only that he reveal himself, but that he do it with such a surrounding array of evidences that people could know the information came from God. Then with that, individuals would not only have the the way that was a light unto their feet and a lap unto their path, but they would have the evidence there so that they know it would come from God and they could judge every idea by that information. And we can see under the law that by the statements of Jesus, we can see by the statements of Jeremiah, that God expected those Jews in that day to evaluate based on that information. In the same way today, what all of this is saying, and we could give many other verses, is that man is made in the image of God. He has intelligence. He, he's not a person that is just born as a slave to his environment. He's not born as a slave to all the other ideas around him. Man is made in the image of God. He has intellectual powers. And he has the ability to be born in an environment where all kinds of lies are told around him and all kinds of false information. And he actually has the intellectual capacity, if he's willing, to seek and knock and ask and hunger and thirst. And he really wants it bad enough. God has given him the ability, using his conscience, his intellect, his powers of observation, his powers of study, to evaluate information and come to a knowledge of truth. So truth is always available to the individual that is seeking, but that's true when it comes to medicine. It's true when it comes to finding a mechanic for your car. It's true when you cast your vote. It's true in every area you deal with. Now, when, it, when we leave religion, sometimes you can be very sincere and study and still make a wrong decision because you didn't have all the facts. And in religion, many times sincere people make a wrong decision because they didn't have all the facts at the particular time. But there is a difference between religion and some of the other areas. The Holy Spirit has revealed all truth as pertains to religion. And the statement is there and the evidence behind it. And so if you're willing to invest the time in the Word of God, then you can go to it and, and not be worried about some fact out here. You can say, God has given me everything I need to evaluate any preacher that will ever stand up and talk. 
to evaluate any piece of literature and religion that I'll ever read. The question is, am I so concerned about what is right that I'm willing to invest some time studying this so I can do a good job of evaluating the information? And a lot of times things seem confusing to us only because we haven't taken the time to read and study and investigate the information. Hold it in your mind. You're not like an animal. You're somebody special. You're made in the image of God. You have the same intellectual powers as this guy with a doctor's degree. Uh, man, one of the things that's interested, interesting to me here in the county, two-thirds of Grundy County never graduated from high school. They talk about the dropout rate being 50% now. Well, that's better than it used to be. Uh, it was two-thirds, and we're up to 50%. But the people in this county are no less intelligent than people anywhere else. There's people out there that don't have an eighth grade uh, education, eighth grade education, who have every bit of the intelligence of somebody with a doctor's degree. It just simply means that for whatever reason, their environment or whatever, they dropped out and this guy went further. Fix it in your mind, you're made in the image of God, and you have intellect, and you have the ability to read and evaluate information for yourself. And you have the ability to look at what works in the book of Proverbs in the Bible. It's not the Holy Spirit dictating information. What you have is a very wise old man, Solomon, who's lived his life. And he's observed what happens when people follow God's law, what happens when they don't follow it. And he writes these observations down. For example, it has been Solomon's observation that people who love the law of God and who train their children up following the law of God that they reap a certain good result. That's been his observation. So he makes the observation, train up a child in the way it should go. When he gets old, he won't depart from it. It's not a maxim. It's a general observation. He's not saying there's no exceptions to it, but that's an observation he's made. It's been Solomon's observation that when people use strong alcoholic beverages, there are certain consequences. So he writes that down in the Proverbs. It's been his observation that when you follow certain spiritual qualities that, that you develop into a certain person and you have certain kinds of relationships and so he puts it down. In short, you can do exactly what Solomon did. You have the ability in our chaotic world turn on any of the talk shows you want to that are dealing with the, the, what they generally deal with is we're in a society that's obsessed with sex. Uh, are the programs that are dealing with violence or a certain way of life. And so it's a chaotic world. And I was listening to something the other day. There's somebody, how confusing it is for teenagers, you know, with all these different philosophies. You don't have to be. You're made in the image of God. So if you're a teenager and you're considering what the Bible says about a way of life, put it to the test. Look at the people living in the drug culture. Look at their life. Look at the fruits. Look at the consequences. Look at those individuals that are following the principles here. And make a decision. It's not that confusing. And when it comes to the other qualities, observe the lives of individuals that are pursuing a course that's contrary to this law. And observe those that are pursuing one in harmony. You can see what's right. And when it comes to 
the claims concerning somebody body like Jesus. He doesn't just say, I'm the Son of God. He says it after his resurrection from the dead. And the evidence that stands behind that resurrection is as strong as it's possible to make evidence behind anything. And you and I and anybody else has the God-given intellectual power. If you're not, you're not accountable before God. And the Bible deals with that. God expects me to win what a man has, not what he has not. But if you're a normal person, you have the intellectual ability to evaluate that information for yourself. And when it comes to the way you worship God, the way you live your life, what church you're going to get part of, whatever it is, God made you. He doesn't expect of you something that you cannot do. You have the God-given intellectual ability, if you're willing, to seek it and you want it above everything else and you're more concerned about pleasing God than other people, read and study God's Word for yourself. You've got the ability to understand it and to come to a knowledge of what's right. All the confusion just simply says one thing, and that is man has free choice. And as long as he has free choice, there will always be ideas floating out there that are at variance with the will of God. Let's conclude our study for this morning. If you're in the audience as somebody that is not a Christian, but you already, uh, in fact, if you have not already investigated the information until you're convinced beyond any doubt in your mind, don't let anybody persuade you to become a Christian. Man, I wouldn't persuade anybody to become a Christian because mama or daddy wanted him to or the preacher wanted him to or the church wanted him to. That's not good enough reason to become anything. Only if you've reached the point in your own study and you've examined the evidence and you're convinced that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And as a result of that, through his sacrifice, you can have the remission of your sins and the hope of eternal life. If you're at that point and you're willing to repent of your sins and put your trust in him, then you have the opportunity to express that trust by acknowledging with your mouth Jesus is Lord and then picturing his death, burial, and resurrection, and your own death, burial, and resurrection, be immersed in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're not a Christian, we give you the opportunity to together to stand.